Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. We've got a fun episode for you guys today. We've got Porsche, Bugatti, GM, Ford, listener questions. Um, the Geneva Auto Show was canceled, so a lot of this stuff got, um, a lot of the news got Released dropped. online. Released online, or it was on a conference call, or whatever. Whatever. Sure. So, you know, one of the news episodes, or the news uh, articles that I didn't really get into on here, that I want to talk about, but I didn't put in, is Gambala. Remember we talked the other week yeah, about Gambala? Yeah, this is... <laughs> A clarification, perhaps, from last week. Yeah, the uh, they're being he's being sued. Yeah, so this was Gimbala's son was releasing his own company and wanted to do like a nine five nine tribute or something. And oops, he got sued for using the Gimbala name by which by by Gimbala GmbH, his father's company. Which sucks. His last name's Gimbala. It's his dad. (laughs) He can't do anything with the name. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's disassociated. It's operating in the same space. You can't do that. I'm sure you could make like Gimbala. Audio works or something else in some other. If I sold uh, Clue Photography, which is my wife's wedding photography business, she's really good, by the way. Yeah. Um, hire her. Uh, if I sold that <laughs> to someone else, you couldn't use it. I couldn't use it again and right. start like Clue Photography Junior or something <laughs> like that. You can't do that, I guess. Right. So they're really upset. I know that uh, Gambala themselves are coming out with their own bespoke car. So I think that there's there must be this consternation going on. Um, I'm not sure. Anyway, so uh, before we get into the news, what have you got for us? Yeah, you guys have to head over to patreon.com slash overcrest. You can get over there, support the show for as little as $5 a month. That's basically less than the cost of this Red Bull that I would buy at a gas station. And what we gas station are you shopping at? More Content that will keep you awake longer than one. I thought you were going to say much more content than what's in a Red Bull. That's true too. That is much. Yeah. If we could bottle your energy, it would be would be far more caffeine, more potent. Yeah. Well, better not uh, bottle Joel Fetter. That would just Just give you a heart attack immediately. (laughs) Instant. Yeah, so you can hop over to patreon.com slash overcrest. You can get a print. You can get uh, exclusive episodes. You can get T-shirts. The uh, the T-shirt stuff is going to be here, I think. On Monday. So we'll be sending out a bunch of shirts on Monday or Tuesday. Um, So before we get into the news, I was thinking the other day, and this is shower thoughts, right? So (laughs) I I, I stand in the shower, and that's when I don't have anything else to do. I'm not on my phone. So then my it's just like driving. The two places I come up with stuff are showers and in the car, (laughs) usually in my 911 because I can't hear anything. So I have to listen to myself. It puts you in like a zen state. Yeah, it does. So you start thinking about things. And I was thinking about the episode that we had with Dodge. Right. You know, we, we had them on to talk about, you know, the the throwback Charger and ta- Challenger. Right. And then I was thinking about how do we really, and I'm like, oh, these are so cool. And then as I'm thinking about it, I'm going, why, why is it cool? How do we really feel about bringing back the old nameplates? And here's some of the cars that I could think of that were brought back kind of recently. Sure. The Pontiac GTO, which failed. Because it looked like a Grand Am instead of a GTO. <laughs> yeah, right? it's good. We had the Challenger and the Charger, which are successful largely. Hugely successful. And we have the Dart, which is ruined. You know, the yeah. Dodge Dart is actually a really cool old I car. had a 1970 Dodge Dart. They're it's great. A cool car. They're small. They're kind of like small muscle, you know. Yeah, they're neat. Exactly. And, but now it's a front wheel drive with the racing stripe. So that's right. ru- that's ruined. And a Fiat engine. Um the Ford GT, which is basically supercar type stuff, another right. throwback. True. Which, you know, I mean it's a cool car, but they didn't have to call it the. They Ford didn't GT. have to call it the Ford GT. Uh, well, they didn't have to call any of these things any of these things. Right. That's kind that's, of the, that's kind of what we're getting at. We have the Mini Cooper, the Supra, the Jeep Gladiator, mm-hmm. um, the VW Beetle, Ford Thunderbird, the upcoming oh, geez, Ford the Thunderbird. 
another huge flop. 2004, I think. The Ford Bronco and the Renault Alpine, which is pretty cool. It's cool looking. I would say it's cool. I would not say it's cool looking. I would really? say it's actually not good looking, but oh. it's cool in terms of, you know, kind of small displacement, yep. know, little car. And then you have the uh, sports car. And then you have the Fiat 500, which right. doesn't li- li- uh, existed for a, like five minutes. They're bringing it back. Again? Again. Again. So they killed it and they're bringing Do it back. Do you know why they did that? Why? They killed it so they can bring it back as an electric only vehicle. Why kill it and bring it back? I why don't know. not just make it be I electric? don't know. So they're awful. Fiats are awful. Alphas are awful. They're both hideously unreliable. Um, and I was just trying to think, think of some sort of uh, metaphor for what this is like. And I would, because you bring these cars back, and it, it is the only thing it shares is it kind of looks like it. Right. And then it has the name. And it's almost like a friend that was dead and is resurrected, or maybe he was in a coma <laughs> for like 50 years. <laughs> okay. And then he comes back, and it looks like him, uh-huh. but he's like way nicer. <laughs> and he like well, hugs. he's much bigger too. Like all these cars are much bigger yeah, than their predecessors. He's gained some weight. Yep. Maybe he's nicer. Maybe he's easier to talk to. <laughs> easier to get along with. Not as he's exciting not so though. Rough around not a, the edges. He's dry though. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Not as not as exciting. He doesn't get drunk and start throwing stuff. No. Nope, nope. um, he has. He's got a suit on, which he never wore a suit before. And he makes jokes and tells stories that you were never part of uh, <laughs> back in the day. It's just like nothing's. In a way, this is it's laziness. I think it's almost mm. like the the reboot movies. Well, there's definitely there's there's brand cachet, right? And there's like they're using this intrinsic value of the nameplate. But but are they doing it service? It's I don't care if they do it service or not. What I want to see is I want to see innovation and creativity now. I don't want this crutch of using the old nameplate to basically serve up a new car. Right. So you're using so you have design elements that you already have to throwback to whether that's interior exterior engine whether location. they fit or not with the new vehicle we're well, almost forced to put all these retro styles on things right which you experienced in the mini that you drove your sister's yeah. mini which is camaro too there's another one yeah the camaro was well that was it went away for a while for a little while not yeah. as long as some of these other ones no, true it just seems a little bit lazy yeah. and just like movies where it's like okay well we can't come up with any new scripts and warner brothers is scrambling around oh yeah who's got that batman script we haven't done that in a while <laughs> or how about what? another spider-man 17 how many times have they rebooted the same spider-man story it's over and over and over again because you have a bunch of mm, i don't want to make fun of the people that buy these cars necessarily but they will buy them because of nostalgia or they just they like mm. the 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 culture that surrounds when you buy a Dodge Challenger, a Dodge Charger, right. or a Mini Cooper or um, a Beetle, especially a Beetle, right? Yeah. The Beetle has this heritage of the hippie car and free love. Yeah, but it's and, not hippies that were buying them in the 2000s. Mm, well, they came with a little flower. I think that they were a really? little bit. Yeah, I think you probably had the the uh, the the girl with the purp- the the fifty year old woman with the purple glasses <laughs> who had and the Beetle flowery originally. scarf right, and yeah. everything like that. The Fiat five hundred that doesn't fit your your theory here though. That's because the Fiat five hundred was never really sold here. I bet if you right. went and looked at the Fiat five hundred in Europe, you might see a little bit more nostalgia for it. Like I don't know why today. the Fiat five hundred was even brought here because it doesn't have any ties or roots here. It's just a small car. So when it, people it, look and Americans don't like small cars, as we know. They definitely don't. So um, do you know of any cars that you would like to see come back, despite all my yes, complaints? Yes, so I have a, f- a handful here. Let's see if you agree. So the Grand National, the GNX, that should make a comeback. As what? As the Grand National. With what engine? A turbocharged V8. 
Of course. A V8. Yeah. Never had a V8. Had a V6. I thought they made some with a turbo V8. Nope. That's a turbo V6 in the in the Grand National. But the thing is, is that they're not going to. Why they're not. not they're not going to reboot a car and have it be. It's going to a. It's going to have to be able to accept a hybrid. So you need to be able to accept that all of these cars that you're about to mention are going to need to either be electric capable. Or hybrid capable. Yeah. Or combustion engine capable. The platform is need is going to need to be used with all three variations. Yeah, I know what you mean. So do you want a Grand National that's a hybrid? No. Do you want, uh, what else does on your list? Uh, the RX-7 they should bring back. The Mazda RX-7. As a hybrid. You want that? No, I don't want it as a hybrid. Well, that's risk. what it's going to be. No. That's what it's going to be, right, man. This next one, do you remember, uh, some listeners might not even know this car, the Volvo P1800. Is that the little wagon thing? It's like a sports car type of thing that Volvo made back in the 60s. Is it the one that has like the little fin tails yeah, on the back? Okay, yeah. okay. I that mean, I could do as a hybrid or an electric. It's okay. just a cool design, and Volvo doesn't make a car, really. I mean, they don't make a coupe. They don't make a sporty car. They don't car. make a car. No, well, I mean, they're China now, so it's, yeah, they're all I made know. in Sweden, though. The cars are. Well, not all of them. I think one of the SUVs is not made in Sweden, but at least they're still made in Sweden, yeah. even though they're owned in China. Uh, and then kind of more recently, but the S2000, the Honda S2000, can you imagine that coming back? As a hybrid? No! I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just being the, the bearer of bad news. Well, Dodge isn't, it's not the Hellcat hybrid, so how are they doing it? That's because that started a while ago, okay? Yeah. But you all, and you also have- But anything have, you develop today, you're saying, would I th- have I to think be. if you're starting development now on a throwback car that's going to come out in a year or two- it's, it's got to be. Like the stupid Mustang SUV that's a hybrid or whatever, electric. Well, that's not like a throwback or anything else. That's the just, Mustang SUV? Well, it's not re, It's not a throwback to a car that doesn't exist. There's already a Mustang. Yeah. Okay, so that the Mustang is- It's is a, a terrible th- remake of a reboot. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's more along the lines of an SUV with Mustang taillights than it that's is. That's exactly what it is. Which it's, it's robbed anything else. All right, let's Idiot. do a little bit of news. All right. Um, Bugatti has another Chiron. Okay. Coming out. And it's called the Bugatti Chiron Pure, spelled P-U-R, Sport Machine. Because didn't they have the Chiron Pure Sang or something like that? There's this. There's a few different Chirons. So here's the problem with these cars. I don't care or pay attention because they're so it's a, stratospherical. It's, they just they don't even... It's three and a half million dollars. Right. Who cares? This is touted as a pure driving machine. And normally I'm like you, and I would think this is marketing Adi. Basically, where it's just we're going to release a new <laughs> Bugatti marketing Audi. Yeah, you like okay, that? Sure, it's yeah. just another. They're just slapping some stuff on because Lamborghini it's does. It's badge engineering on a Bugatti scale. Wrong. This is a little bit different, and I'm going to explain why. I think you're thinking of more about what like Lamborghini does. Lamborghini does this a lot where it's like the Quattro Veloce, and it's, and it's got a new bumper that weighs four less pounds <laughs> and maybe some Alcantara. Okay, well, explain yourself okay. because I read this article, and I don't think it's that different. Okay, so Bigotti says, quote, We spoke to customers and realized they wanted a vehicle that is geared even more towards er- agility and dynamic cornering. Because when you think of the, the Chiron, you think of, wow, this thing went a million kilometers per hour and broke right. a record and blah blah blah. But it's heavy. It's heavy and it's kind of lumbering. And they what they and did it is, looks bulbous. It does look a little heavy. A hypersports car that yearns for country roads with as many bends as possible. An unadulterated, uncompromising driving machine. Consequently, the vehicle is called the Chiron Pure Sport One. Pure Sport One explains Stephen Winkleman, president of Bugatti, by cutting the weight by fifty kilograms, which is not well, much. It's like one hundred and twenty pounds, I think, which is. Think of 120 pounds worth of water softener salt in your trunk. 120 pounds is 
pretty significant. 110. Okay, 110. How much does this Sharon weigh right now, though? I have no idea. You can look it up. Uh, while simultaneously boosting the downforce and configuring an uncompromising sporty chassis as well as suspension setup, the Chiron Pure Sport 1 boasts incredible grip, sensational acceleration, and extraordinary accurate handling. It's the most uncompromising yet agile Bugatti of recent times. Which makes me wonder, why didn't they go just say, it's the most uncompromising yet agile Bugatti agile. of all time? Why didn't they just say of all time? Yeah, I don't know. It's modern times. Do they, do they think that's something that is in So these past? things weigh 4,500 pounds. Okay, it's 4,500 pounds. However, it has a 64-valve, and I did the math on that just to check, 64-valve, 8-liter, quad-turbo, W16 engine, generating 1,500 horsepower and 1,600 newton meters of torque with nothing but gasoline. Yeah. Which it's is... not a hybrid. It's gasoline. And we're going to get into another car later, which does crazy performance as well, but it's all kinds of hybrid. You know what's a know. little disappointing about these engines? They don't even rev to 7,000 RPM. This one almost does. Almost does. 60, almost. 69. That's not that high. It's a 16-cylinder engine, and dude. You know, that revs almost. It's 6,900 RPM. Do you know why that is? It's because they're trying to fit so many connect. This is actually true. They have to fit so many connecting rods onto the crankshaft that it's actually relatively fragile, the crankshaft, for how much power it makes. Oh, I'm sure. I, I'm, so that's why they can't rev it that high because the crankshaft. It's two just, narrow, narrow angle VR8s. Basically, yeah. which is based off the VR6. Yeah, you have 16 connecting rods on a small crankshaft. That Think is of that. Wild. So it's 110 pounds lighter than the standard Chiron due to lightweight 3D printed titanium exhaust, a fixed rear spoiler, and extensive <laughs> use of Alcantara anodized aluminum and titanium on the interior. Okay. The wheels are blah, blah, blah. Okay. So the suspension, this is kind of interesting. The suspension is 65% stiffer at the front and 33% stiffer at the rear, which is that's. Significantly, that's stiffer. very stiff. Very stiff. Um, there's a new rear uh, carbon fiber roll bar and sport plus drive mode. Woo! Um, so here, I want to kind of. Normally, I would not care. Normally, I would just. I you I know still it, it's all care. vaporware to me because right. it doesn't. It's so out of my wheelhouse. I'll never. I'll never sit in one. I'll never drive one. I'll probably never even see one. We've seen them. You will not no one of these though. I mean, I've I've seen a Chiron, but these really elite ones that are three and a half million dollars here's the other thing how many people are buying these things to quote get that canyon what did they say the the canyon road with the most possible turns no this is gonna sit in someone's garage it depends on the person i'm sure there's people out there that will and i'm sure there's people out there that it will just sit in their garage i'm not every rich dude just likes to look at his car i know some of them like to drive them as well I know. You like to drive your car just as much as I like to drive my car. Yeah. And you make significantly more mo money than me. It does just because you make more money doesn't make you like cars for the wrong reasons. Right. You know, I think that there's different kinds of You're people right. out there that are into it. So this kind of harkened back to a one of the reasons why I'll, I'm going to play a clip for you, and I've played some of this before, okay. um, of my interview with Akim Anscheid, who's a designer at Bugatti. Sure. And I talked to him about his, I uh, flew to Germany and talked to him about his 911 back in the day. And he had something really interesting to say about Bugatti. And I think that's why this car is special, is what it's built for and what it represents. Let me play the clip. As if we would be in the middle of the 1970s and the quartz watch has come out. I don't want to compare uh, Tesla to the quartz watches of the 1970s, 
But in that moment where the quartz watches were starting to be successful, that was the kickstart of the mechanical watches returning to beauty. Exactly, and appreciation. And a similar thing will happen here. This will not be the dominant volume kind of uh, project, but at that time, when uh, automated cars and all electrified cars are becoming the volume cars, the connoisseur cars are becoming even more precious in these kind of projects. In that moment where the horse was not the, the means of transport anymore, uh, but the tram and the car became the means of transport. The horse was becoming more valuable as a sports horse, no? as, a, as a riding horse, as a, as a horse, as an animal to enjoy. And similar things are happening with watches, similar things are happening with cars, and same with motorcycles everywhere, you see that. And uh, I, I firmly believe, and this is the reason why our car, uh, also the Bugatti looks the way it does. Uh, that's why it also doesn't have a hybrid transfer. It's this last pure mechanical exercise that will be still be valuable in 10, 20 or 50 years down the road. So he's saying this car is the last vestige of this, right? I'm sure. I'm and I like the analogy of the watch, right? I, we both have mechanical watches. Well, my wife has, you know, a smart watch that does all of the things. Right. And so, but there's still a market for high-end And what he's saying is that things. what Bugatti is doing today is something that will be inherently valuable and desirable forever, right? He's, he's In my opinion, he's convinced the Sharon was going to be the last vestige of purity in motoring and basically enshrined as legend for as long as we have roads. That's why they built this car. They're not trying to advance technology or discover new things or, or I mean, obviously this is an engineering masterpiece, right. but it's an engineering masterpiece that stands on the shoulders of all the engineering that came before it. It's not an engineering masterpiece that took a right turn and we're basically hitting rocks together and trying to start a fire, which is what the electric stuff is. We're all discovering new things. We're trying to make these new drivetrains and discover. This is heritage right. engineering. And it's, I think it's very analogous. You once we talked about this at length once the Ferrari F40 compared to the Porsche 959. Right. Right. The F40 was the last kind of bastion of mechanical rawness, no driver right. aids, nothing. Whereas the 959 came out the same time and it was the most like advanced everything at the time. But in 20 years, 30 years down the road, it wasn't the most advanced. So no one, I mean, obviously people care about it. But you would take the F40. Well, this is exactly the reason why Bruce Canabo took a bunch of 959s and made them better. Right. Nobody's <laughs> taking a bunch of F40s and making them better. No. Okay, because they're already great. Basically, Bruce took the 959 and made it what it should have been from the factory with extra more horsepower. It was a little more, you know, a little sharper to drive, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I think this car should be uh, in the least respected, if not applauded, purely because of what it represents, which is a stanchion amongst the rapid decay of truly unsullied power in engineering. I, if that's what you're looking at it for, I'd rather have a Hellcat. It's not pushing the envelope like this is. This is, this is the, this is the elite, 
absolutely elite. The Hellcat is a high school sprinter. This thing is an Olympic runner. Yeah, it's it two different type of things. And if you're looking for the best of the best, the cream of the cream, the 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 top, right? You're not doing burnouts in this thing, though. No, no, you're not. And I, the Hellcat is admirable because it's fifty thousand dollars, right? right? So you're looking at them from a, from two different lenses. But if yeah. you if you step back and you look at them philosophically as what they represent, it's kind of the same thing. But in terms of an engineering uh, examination, the Sharon is it's it's a totally different world. You might as well be designing this thing on Neptune compared to the Hellcat. <laughs> it's so much more complicated. The only problem I really have with this thing is um, the name. The name sounds like an electrolyte sport drink. Yeah, it's the, like the, the pure next sport. Gatorade. The pure sport. It's spelled like the filter you put on your faucet. Oh yeah, so it's it's just going to be pure whatever's their sport drink now. Yeah, pure so sport. it's they're going to be. Uh, it's expected to start production in late 2020. And they'll sell three of them? Who knows? They'll they'll probably sell as many as people pre-order them. Yeah. I mean, this isn't something that they they make like ten and send them around the country. To, <laughs> no, this is a this is a guy shows up with his uh, American Express black card or whatever you go, or right. or he drags a backpack full of gold bars over to the Bugatti place. <laughs> How do you pay for something like this? Do you just wire the money? Yeah. Do you call me? Just wire them. Hey, uh, Jeeves, I, this I, is my routing number. Let's please send way. three and a half million dollars. Let's put it this way. I don't think the guy buying this car is saying, okay, now let's walk over to the finance department and see <laughs> yeah. what kind of rate we can get on financing yeah. Well, this I was thing. really hoping for six and a quarter. <laughs> Last time, my credit's at least 720. Yeah, no, no that's no, not this is <laughs> These are the guys that don't even buy insurance on these things. They just don't even care. They have so much money that they can just insure everything themselves. There's a limit. There, if you make a certain amount of money in Minnesota, yeah, you, you don't have to have car insurance. I thought that was Wisconsin. I don't know about Minnesota. I thought it was Minnesota. Maybe mm. it's both. Whatever. Okay. So as many of you know, the Porsche 992 911 Turbo S is here. And are you excited? Not really. No, I'm not either. So was the Turbo already released and this is the Turbo S? I I think this is just the 992 Turbo. Right? I I think this is the Turbo S. Shows how much I care. Yeah, really. it's got it's a twin turbo 3.8, 650 horsepower, 600 pound feet foot pounds of torque, uh, 70 horsepower more than the previous one, eight speed PDK, top speed 205 miles an hour. And here's the problem: it's 190 thousand dollars. Wow! It's 190 thousand dollars. Wow! Starting at. $190,000. So if you want yellow stitching or a yeah. special seatbelt that's yellow that matches the center lock nut on your wheels, then it's probably so over 200. Expensive. The convertible is 203,000 starting. starting at and it, so wow. I kind of look back at the price of the original 996 Turbo okay. and adjusted for inflation, okay, it's $140,000 today. So wow. we're at 60 thousand dollars more than the original 996 turbo and of course there's somebody talking to the radio right now going well sir the performance is much better than it is now and I'm, do we need like an inflation calculator for performance well, this would be really interesting because how would this compare to like an f-150 from 2001 to today adjusted for inflation or any other volume car or non-volume car for that matter i don't think you'll see the f-150 went up 30 percent or 40 percent do they I, i'm curious if things basically stay the same adjusted for inflation that would be an interesting discussion i don't have any math on that i'll have to come um, back to that that would be very interesting the problem is is that they were pushing these enthusiast cars into the stratosphere yeah this is you know i picked up that old 996 you know <laughs> for like sixty five hundred dollars yes oh i remember that is never going to happen with the 992 yeah never it's not going to happen um i just don't understand 
who are these cars for now? What are we, you know, it's, it's very strange. I'm not sure exactly what we're doing. Well, it was interesting when I went into the Porsche dealer last week when I was looking at Macans and everything else. Um, they were saying, well, you know, the 992, because I was like, it's, it's cool. I saw a new one. I sat in it. They're just so big. They, they are, are big. such huge, bulbous cars. And they go, well, this is the Grand Tour. This is not a sports car anymore. We are not selling it as a sports car. We're not calling it a sports car. If you want a car. sports car, buy a Cayman. Exactly. Yeah. That's what he said. And it's just, I don't know. So you ask, you know, oh, who's buying these? It's, they're totally changing the market in my mind. It's not a sports car well, anymore. Well, think about, this is just a big grand tourer. Think of how much a Boxster to, and a Cayman used to be. You could be a guy that went to buy a Cayman. Yeah. You could be a guy. Yeah. You'd have to be a hell of a guy to go buy this. <laughs> I mean, you you're, you got to be it's a It's a lot of money. All right. Yeah. In, the, in this week's Back to Reality News, and I've, this is kind of a topic I've brought up a bunch, and every time I see something like this, I want to kind of mention it and touch on it a little bit. Okay. Uh, Peugeot says, quote, electric cars lack mainstream appeal. Yeah. And this is exactly what Honda said, and I think Aston Martin said it, and there was someone else too. Uh, there was another manufacturer that said this. When, Like I always say, this is polar opposite of what Volkswagen is doing, right. which is putting $50 billion into this industry. Um, electric cars are only brought, bought by, quote, green addicts, unquote. And green addicts. And lack broader appeal. Those are the same people buying vegan leather pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's called vinyl. I know, which is the stupidest type of virtue signaling I've, I've ever heard of. Uh, they lack broader appeal needed to reach mainstream com uh, consumers. Pizzo chief executive Carlos Tavares said on Tuesday, he goes on, quote, when some markets are canceling some subsidies, demand collapses. Tavares mm. said about electric car sales during a conference call arranged to replace a roundtable discussion at the Geneva Auto Show, which was canceled, as we right. said earlier. Quote, we are selling our electric vehicles to green addicts. We didn't move to the pragmatists, which is more regular people. Right. Tavares said, referring to Peugeot's difficulties in selling electric cars to mainstream consumers. This is the reason Peugeot decided to develop vehicle platforms which are capable of including fully electric, hybrid, or just combustion engines so that we can adapt in a very agile way with what the consumers are asking for. So this is on the heels of Hyundai. I think it was Hyundai. And is it Hyundai or Hyundai? Sunday with an H. So it's Hyundai. Hyundai. Honda, and we got yelled at on Facebook I that I said it And wrong. I have corrected you in the past, but then I it doesn't was totally matter. pronouncing it wrong. Who are these people that go around correcting people for the way that they pronounce something? Besides you and I. I feel like, like you would be one of those guys, I actually. Have, I have never. I've heard people say Porsche wrong over and over and over again. I've never corrected anybody once. You know why? Because it's rude and it doesn't matter. It's the stupidest thing you could do. To play the devil's advocate, we're supposed to be the knowledgeable source, though, in a way. I'm not. I'll be the first to admit that on Korean cars, I am not. That's why we had someone on the podcast so I could be a little bit more knowledgeable. Yes. I'm, I don't know everything, yeah. despite popular belief around the world. I don't know everything. So <laughs> I don't think it's popular belief around the world. It's popular belief in your head. Well, Anyways, yes. I don't feel to see the difference. Like Sunday. Right. So uh, I feel like manufacturers are kind of right now just swaying around. Like those huge pine trees with the wind, as you see them kind of go this way, and then the wind changes direction, and well, then they go this way. Okay, but they're swaying a heck of a lot when they're investing fifty billion into something. Yeah, that's what, that's that's hurricane winds, Chris. That's look what Peugeot is doing breeze. though. They're developing platforms which can be fully electric, hybrid, or combustion. It's probably the smart choice right because now because they don't know. Right. It's, they're just blowing back and forth in the wind. They don't know what's coming. Nobody does. Right. Um, so will manufacturers and other than VW, uh, are they going to 
is everybody else going to kind of start balking at an EV a little bit? And Tesla and Volkswagen is going to be left holding the bag? I said this when we started this podcast. I was like, look, there's going to be all this investment in EV. The market's going to go this way. And I think it's going to rubber band back a little bit. People are going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not ready for this. I'm not buying that car. And basically, the market will dictate, okay, well, we got we to gotta reverse a little bit. We got to backpedal. So uh, contrary to what they're saying, this is just a stat that I found that kind of points the other way, which just proves my point that the trees are blowing all over the place. <laughs> EV sales blog reports a near record 74,663 new passenger car plug-in registrations, 120% more than a year ago, and the first three-digit growth rate since 2015. So people are buying them. I no. My point is nobody knows what's going on. They don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does. Okay. The only way that the economy is an incredibly complex machine. Okay. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. There's a huge amount of supply lines that all have to do with all this stuff. You can't just coronavirus. Yeah, I mean that. That seriously. I know. It crushed the economy. I know. As evidenced by me playing in the options market, that didn't go well. (laughs) I'll tell you about that some other time. (laughs) The the Chinese uh, pollution levels, if you look at maps, it's... it's, Yeah, I showed that to you last week. This is what we need. If we really want the global warming to get under control, just... Shut down factories. Shut down factories in China. Um, The only way we can get a real grasp on predicting or controlling this is if government regulates it into existence. That's the only way anything is going to happen for sure. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. And that's exactly what you want, Chris. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. I want the government to just come in and just step on my face. Right. Yeah. Because yep. it doesn't matter which boot it is, if it's the left one or the right one when it's on your neck. <laughs> All right. Porsche's CEO, however, claims that 911 is not going to go all electric. Right. You want to take this one? Yeah. So 50% of all Porsche vehicles could be sold with an electric or hybrid drive by 2025. However, Porsche will always... Question. Does that... Do you think he means that 50% of sales are going to be electric, hybrid, or just the 50% of the models that they have available are going to be... How is that different? Because they... The quantity of what's produced... You right. could have 50% oh, of the model yeah, yeah, line. No, no. It, it's definitely going to be by sales. Okay, that's Because what right after. now they're selling way more Macans and Cayennes than they are 911s and Caymans. Right. You know, There's about a 30% cost bump, right, to get into like a hybrid Cayenne or hybrid I don't know what it is Panamera exactly. or something. Yeah. Uh, however, Porsche will always offer combustion engines, particularly in the 911. But we can't stop the onward march of electromobility. Porsche has been developing a plug-in hybrid version of the 911 for a number of years, and in early 2018, Bloom revealed it would be the most powerful 911 ever. It's claimed the electrified version of the 992 generation 911 will feature a turbocharged flat-six engine and electric motor delivering 136 horsepower, much like that used in the Panamera 4E hybrid. I drove a Panamera, Chris. They're great. I, they're they really are, but we didn't buy one. Well, obviously, he bought a Macan. Well, no, this was between... We bought an S3 as well, but before we bought the S3, we test drove a used Macan, or a Panamera. Was the pricing comparable? For this one, yes. Why? Uh, Because it was a Panamera 4 2015. Okay, so it was a lot older and didn't have all the doodads and screen Right, so it had the old style interior, which seems a bit dated now, but more than anything else, it just felt like a boat. They're big cars. Those are executive... Sedans. Yeah, yeah, they are awesome to they drive on a trip cars. or a freeway or anything like that. They're not for me. So when I went out to the Birmingham uh, driving school for Porsche, 
with my buddy Glenn. Yep. He we drove a uh, well, just the, I'll just get to the timing. The timing on a Panamera Turbo mm-hmm. was the same as a 911 Carrera around the track. Sure. So they may be big, but they can move. But they can move just fine. Right. Yeah. You know what? You know what is our requirement in one of those cars? A backup camera. This one didn't have one, and oh, so you look and you're like. Just- if you hear anybody cry you you ran them over it's too late uh so the hybrid porsche 911 will also have the ability to travel short distances on electric power alone and feature quote a special button for added electric punch so a special button that's just what i when i was a kid and i was like playing with hot wheels i'm like man i wish this hot wheels had a special button yeah i've been dreaming it Finally, after all these years, I'm 39 years old, someone came out with the special button I always wanted. <laughs> so here's the thing, though, Chris. We don't have this hybrid 911 yet. Why? Well, a prominent Porsche board member had this to say. Quote, we have prototypes, but they're still not at a weight we like. For a two-door serious sports car, the additional weight of battery is not something we are satisfied with today. So basically they can't get the 911 to handle like a 911 with all this extra weight. So meanwhile, the head of 911 product line, Frank Volliser, was a little more straight to the point. Quote, it's really difficult to bring in proper electrification without destroying the character and shape of a 911. None of the ideas we've had are really convincing. Ten years ago, we did the presentation of a 918 Spider, and it's easier to add hybrid into an all-new car than it is with a 911. I'm not ready to put another 100 kilograms into the car. Here's the thing. Do you ever think about the 918 Spider? Does it cross no. your mind? Do you think no. about it? Do you pine for one? Do no, you... not at all. Why? Because it's the same as the 989. It was like really cool. 959. Thank you, yeah. 959. It was really cool and advanced at that time. But and technology is moving so quick. Immediately irrelevant. Yes. And I'm sure it's a beautiful car to drive. Uh, Pete Stout says it's one of the best cars he's ever driven in electric mode. It's really fun to drive in just electric mode. Sure. You know, he really enjoyed it. But whether it's a good car or not, because the expectations are progress, right? right. You want to see progress. It's just doesn't... You bought that car because it was the fastest, the best at that time. Right. And later that year, it wasn't. It's like dating a girl who only has a couple stories to tell. After you've heard the stories, you're ready to hear stories from someone else. <laughs> and I swear to God that all these technology cars are exactly like that. You just you hear it all, you do it, and you're okay, what's next? What's the next thing? What's the next uh, milestone in technological advancement? Same right. thing when you look at phones. What's next? What's the next That's phone? a really good point. Everybody's yeah. like, what's, what's coming? What's, that we've was got the, iPhone 10. That was the original iPhone. It was really great when it came out, but... Now Five minutes later, yeah. after the iPhone comes out, there's some guy speculating on what the next iPhone is going to be. What's right. the camera going to be? The lens, the sensors, the, the screen, a really the OLED. Good analogy. And cars are exactly the same, and that's the problem is because they're becoming technological achievements rather than a a, a machine that – and this is from persp- – I've never driven a 19. Okay? I, yeah, I have not driven one. I've been around them. I've seen them. And I'm sad to say that regardless of how well they drive – I just don't think about them. They don't cross my mind because they just don't make it for me. They don't. They haven't stamped anything on me like some of the other cars have. Yeah. Well, anyway, so the 911, they basically aren't happy with it yet. Even though they've promised this, they built the chassis to be able to be a hybrid. They're like, we, we can't get it where we like it. It's just too heavy. Yeah. And regarding your earlier point, Chris, about an all-electric 911, Walser had this to say, quote, it's the last car that we will fully electrify and maybe the last of any cars in the world to be electrified. That will be a 911. And so, Which I like that attitude. 
yeah, I mean, that's that's great. But as soon as that thing, as soon as the battery technology is there to make it one, they're going to do it. As soon as Probably. the battery tech exists. Because if you look at the Taycan, it's super heavy. You know, and the Teslas are super oh, yeah. heavy. So as soon as the batteries get small enough, and I think Toyota is working on some micro-lithium battery or something like that. So we're going to get there. It will oh, get yeah. there. Well, but, GM is working on a new battery. Let's talk about Mercedes first, though. Okay, so Mercedes is cutting its lineup to save money and preserve margins. So they have around 40-something different models. Okay, and- I was in the Mercedes dealership. You were with me. We're talking worldwide. I okay. know, but how many damn SUV crossovers did I they I couldn't need? figure it out. GLA, GLB, they just released this year. GLC, GLD, I know, GLE. No, I know nothing about the new Mercedes, Mercedes line because it's all boring to me. It's all really, really boring. Like uh, maybe they're a, all grandpa cars. Because <laughs> a grandpa would buy one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Although they did seem very nice and very comfortable. The fit and finish was good. But um, So they're talking about uh, just reducing the amount of their portfolio. The idea is to streamline taking car variants out, but also platforms, powertrains, and components. Yeah, so how about just one GL? Just one, just one. Just the GL. I think those are just trim levels, really. That, that They're different sizes, too, I think. Yeah, they were. Um, talking about the future of more traditional powertrain, such as, such as AMG's V8 unit, uh, they said the plan is not to kick out the V8 and V12, for example. Here's the key, though. All right. As long as there is customer demand. However, he said the incoming Euro 7 legislation would force the maker to reflect on which powertrains will be worth putting through the process. Quote, Mm -hmm. probably yes, uh, variants will reduce. Of course, four-cylinder engines will make more sense than a V12. Let's see what Euro 7 requirements are and go from there. Mercedes has completed the induction of four variants of its two-liter unit in four-cylinder and six-cylinder guises and is available for petrol and diesel built on the same line. This This is what's important. Quote, the family of four engines can respond to any market change immediately. We planned this prediction a couple years ago in order to protect us in terms of different demands and regulations. Okay. This is what it's all about. When I talk about things being regulated out of existence, they're happy to make a V8 and a V12. They're over there being like, let's do it. Let's make it. Let's put pistons in this thing. (laughs) Hans, where's all the pistons? Get them out of that box and put them in this motor right now. We need more pistons. (laughs) We need all the pistons. This is an AMG. Come on. This isn't an A class. Okay. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, these dickheads at Euro 7 and the EPA and the National Highway Transportation Authority and California are the ones <laughs> in California is its own it's its own Apparently. regulatory. Well, it puts a lot of pressure on the administration. It's a lot of people. Okay, it's a lot of people there. So what goes there goes elsewhere. We all know how big of, Cal- of a deal California is. When you look at your old cars, can we make Cal- shirts that say California doesn't like V8s? I have always one that makes California sucks. Can we just yeah, can a we just too on the nose? Eh, I like visiting, but. Not with, pl- yeah, it probably is a little on <laughs> My point is, is that this is how it dies, okay? This is what happens. You've already got this guy. He's the R&D boss at Mercedes going, hey, we're, we're making four-cylinder engines and six-cylinder engines that can be bolted into this platform that can be used for many different purposes. Why? Because we don't know what the regulations are coming. If you would just free them up, they could go, well, we're just going to make V12s because 17 dudes over here want V12s at this dealership. Let's make them V12s. V8s, right. no problem. Let's do it. Let's do burnouts. Let's do all the burnouts. All of them. But now it's this, well, we don't know what's going on. We don't know where. The stability in the market is the best thing for getting the quality products that you want. 
Yeah. Okay. That's how you get cars that are good is because manufacturers can go, okay, well, for the next 10 years, things aren't going to change. So we're so going to invest what, in this. So we're going to invest in this. Now they're investing in four variants of its two-liter unit. Mercedes is investing in four <laughs> variants of a two-liter, four-cylinder engine. Yeah. Who cares? I do not care. It is so freaking boring. <laughs> it's stupid. And their AMG stuff is going to be turbo four-cylinders, two Hybrid. turbo V6s, yep. and all the sounds going to be piped through the stereo because yep. they all sound like crap. This isn't a 16-valve Volkswagen with carburetors. I don't want it to sound like that. I want it to oh, sound it like a V8. No, it won't because it's going to have a soundtrack that was designed by Hans Zimmer on the, <laughs> on the Bowers and Wilkins 4,000-watt stereo of the well, GL 695,000. The good news is then you can turn it down because you're, you're an old grandpa driving <sighs> this thing. It's, this is it, man. This is how it dies because of the unpredictability of the market and regulation. It kills everything you love. <laughs> wow. All right. Next I'm story. moving on. Uh, I'm so hot. I know. I'm going to get a drink. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, GM has a crazy new battery. Speaking of things that are not V8s and pistons. So a few months ago, GM partnered up with LG to develop new battery tech. And the results we just found out are what GM is calling their Ultium batteries. Ultium? Ultium. So these Ultium, I, I think I'm going to have to say it. I'm immediately like thinking that. of the Energizer bunny walking around. Bang, <laughs> bang, bang, bang. So the Ultium batteries offer a massive 200 kilowatt hour capacity. I don't know what that, tell me what so that means. So let's put that in perspective. Tesla's largest battery today is just half that at so, 100 kilowatt hours. Do we know what the footprint of this 200 kilo? I'm out of breath. Good grief. Do we know what the footprint of this 200 kilowatt hour battery is? It's big. It's okay. 18 inches thick. Okay. It's big. So it's a lot bigger than Tesla's battery. So this isn't new engineering. It is, though. Okay. So it is big, though. And the new batteries are slated to be used in the Hummer vehicles, of which they've already said there's going to be an SUV and an SUT. To sport utility truck. <laughs> okay, like truck. A, a new term. Great. That's yeah. what we well, need. It's been around since 08. Uh, and an upcoming electric Chevy truck as well. Uh, but what's really crazy isn't the increased capacity of these batteries, it's the decreased cost. So these batteries are said to cost below $100 per kilowatt hour. Now, in 2019, batteries were priced at an average of $156 per kilowatt hour. Okay, so they reduced okay. it by 50% in basically a year and a half. And in 2010, 10 years ago, it was a whopping $1,100 per kilowatt hour. I find that ridiculous. What's the, the law of processing power? Right, it's like, I forget the name of it, but it basically says that uh, memory and storage space will be halved every year. The right. cost yeah. per storage space. And the processing speed goes up. Right. In, There's in a, a name or the guy that came up with that formula. And this is basically what it's going to be for battery tech, I feel like. Although it's definitely leveling out. Right. Which well, we'll is $1,100 to $100 per kilowatt hour. But that's not all. Part of the secret behind that cost saving is a 70% reduction in the use of cobalt, which is, of course, an element that's used in battery tech. And so it's 70% reduced from other batteries. And this is nuts. Cobalt is a rare and expensive metal that's crucial in the production of all lithium batteries. 59% of the world's cobalt supply is found in the Democratic Republic of Congo. 
How much? 60% of the world's supply comes from the Republic of Congo. And how is Congo? Is it seemed like a I, pretty I, safe I haven't place? heard much about their uh, economy lately. Oh, man. Well, the interesting thing is that there's uh, the lithium is buying lithium futures is n- relatively new. And cobalt is also, I think, a little bit newer, so you can get in investing in this kind of stuff. I'm writing that down. <laughs> cobalt futures. <laughs> do not listen to me. I have no money. 100% I'm going to do this <laughs> and then blame you when it goes south. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Chris, you told me cobalt was a buy. <laughs> Next. That was a five star. <laughs> Next. All right. So Koenigsegg has built a four-seater supercar. You, mess- you missed my story. What? Bronco. I deleted it. Because we're running out of time. All right, we'll just say Bronco, Ford Bronco, right? Ford Bronco. We released like details on it. Oh, you mean the Ford Wrangler? So you showed me a picture <laughs> of this thing. So okay, because there was one like uh, factory floor kind of picture that was released or sn- sneaked out. What do you call that? Spy photo. Thank yeah. you. I'm an idiot. So it looks exactly like a Wrangler from the rear. Daddy, dead to nuts. Just you showed me, and I'm like, wait, did they actually? It actually looks like a Wrangler. So I'm calling it the Ford Wrangler instead of the Ford Bronco now. It does look a little bit. To be fair, we're seeing like a rear three-quarter postage stamp-sized view of the truck. That looks identical. Yeah, but is that? Yeah, yeah, okay. it does. I can't, I, can't, I can't say that you're wrong. All right, so Koenigsegg has built a four-seater, and this thing is really rad. It looks cool. Click the link and tell me I've what you think. I've seen it, and here's the one thing that stands out to me. All right, so they have the little mock-up with a little guy in it. Yep. Okay, compare the guy's head. I have no internet. My internet does not work. My internet also died. Yeah, so just tell me. The guy's head is like, okay, yep, that's a good proportion of the guy. And then you look at the wheels. The wheels are like 40 <laughs> inches. Now, I'm hoping this is just like not an accurate this representation. Is, this is also something that is a uh, a squared mathematical <laughs> equation. That every year that you add a model year line, the, the wheels must get... another two inches of wheel they must go. They must gain size by... 25 percent yeah. wheels must get bigger wheels are massive here's what's interesting about this thing though it has a two liter twin turbo three cylinder yeah with 600 horsepower <laughs> take that geo and it doesn't have any uh camshafts yeah 442 uh pound feet of torque have you ever driven a geo with a three cylinder no probably the same thing <laughs> Oh, obviously, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no camshafts, which I couldn't really find much information. So about Koenigsegg how that works. was leading the uh, revolution. Or the Is it pneumatic? On this. It's pneumatic it's, or hydraulic? I think, I think it's actually electromagnetic. Okay, well, that's even that's even better. It's yeah, they were working on electromagnetic and maybe hydraulic as well or pneumatic. So this thing, yeah, no camshafts. It combines the three cylinder with a hybrid system for seventeen hundred. Horsepower. So you said it's a twin turbo three cylinder, which I was like, wait a minute. And then it's like, oh, it's sequential. So here's, so here's my question Do you want a two liter three cylinder with a hybrid with 1700 horsepower uh-huh. and 2581 pound feet of torque? Or do you want a quad turbo W16 eight liter with 1500 horsepower and 1700 pound feet of torque? But all you have to do is put gasoline in it. Which one do you want? You could buy. I mean, these things. These things are going to be fairly reasonable in price. I imagine reasonable. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming if you're shopping for a Sharon, you might actually also shop for one of these. You're going to cross. Yeah, like why not? Comparable. Say, yeah, I'm going to need to drive over to the. Can I take this thing for a pre-purchase inspection <laughs> on your way over to the Bugatti dealership? Yeah. No. So, which one do you want? Which one are you buying? I don't know. It's a tough choice for you. It is. Yeah. Why? I mean, yes, I would want to say Bugatti, but I want to see this thing. Of course, you want to see it, but I just don't. I would rather have the W16 engine than a two-liter three-cylinder engine. 
it's just all, all I can think about is a Geo Metro with a three-cylinder engine and, and five on the floor, just wringing the neck out of that thing. That, see, that sounds fun to that me. That does sound fun. Yeah. It sounds actually, I, beating up on an old Geo actually sounds more fun to me than hopping in this car. Should we buy a couple of Geos and just thrash them? Ooh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe we can get a bunch of people to buy. Uh, we could do a maximum displacement rally. Where you could just like a thousand dollars maximum displacement is, is one point five like, liters. Oh, that's too much. Eh, no, I think that would allow okay. you get some civics and stuff like that. Just to have you a don't want civics in there. I want three cylinders, and that's it. Well, there's only one option, and I mean that really <laughs> narrows it down. No, you could have a smart car or a or a uh, Polaris Indy six hundred snowmobile. Yeah, exactly. All right, so production ha numbers haven't been announced on this. Like I said, it's the price is going to be reasonable, and there'll be plenty available for whoever wants one. And uh, nice. I, I think that this is the... Well, Chris, after I invest in Cobalt Futures, <laughs> I'll buy us both one. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I think this is the best-looking Koenigsegg that's ever come out. Really? I think it's great. I think it looks I, Well, that's fantastic. not saying much. I don't like Koenigsegg styling at all. Generally, I don't either, but this one looks This one is really, just really less curvy. All right. So uh, last news story, and then we're going to get into some listener feedback and questions. Um, the autonomous robot has, uh, there's been, so there's one in, I think, Michigan, Kay. and it's delivering food. Okay, it's right. this, this robot. This stupidest thing. It's like your DoorDasher, but instead of a guy driving to you, it's this three-wheeled little drone stupid thing. Sounds good. I probably don't have to tip the robot. <laughs> but you could tip the robot over. You, well, maybe you don't want to. The Refraction AI is currently testing its auto, autonomous Rev1 robot. It's a cargo bot designed to make deliveries in urban areas. So it's so stupid because they show a video of this thing, like driving down the neighborhood street. You know Chris would be behind this thing honking for it to get out of the middle of the road and just end up driving over it. Yeah, until they put guns on it. Because that is inevitably what's going to happen. Have you seen RoboCop? Years ago. Do you remember Ed 209? Only because we watched the clip before oh, recording. Oh, man, man. <laughs> Ed 209 is basically the uh, the defense robot. It's, it's the enforcement droid. It was a fully automated series of peacekeeping machines created by Omni Consumer Products, otherwise known as OCP, on Robocrop, and they uh, they also use it in war and stuff like that. It was designed for urban pacification. <laughs> this thing must exist in China. I mean, China is the first place that Refraction AI is probably a Chinese company, and they're testing it on us sure. by delivering food, and then we're going <laughs> to... Yeah, I like it's it. It's going to be released in uh, in China with guns to basically help. Well, yeah, because otherwise people are going to run over it. Like so I said. I just this is this clip was actually taken from the uh, the the Fraction AI Rev One uh, marketing meeting. Oh, really? Yeah, let me okay. play it for you. The enforcement droid Series Two Hundred Nine is a self sufficient law enforcement robot. Two Hundred Nine is currently programmed for urban pacification, but that is only the beginning. We need an arrest subject, Mr. Kenny. Yes, sir. Would you come up and give us a hand, please? Yes, sir. Mr. Kinney is going to help us simulate a typical arrest and disarming procedure. Mr. Kinney, use your gun in a threatening manner. Point it at Ed 209. Yes, sir. Please put down your weapon. You have 20 seconds to comply. You now have 15 seconds to comply. You are in direct violation of Dick, I'm very disappointed. 
sure it's only a glitch. A temporary setback. You call this a glitch? <laughs> so that's what we all have in store for us. Well, Chris, you know how you said you wouldn't have to tip it? If you don't tip it, it's going to go into full protection. It's going to go into a protection just glitch like that. Mode. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to some listener questions. Uh, Ventures German Air says, how long do you hold on to a rare or valuable project car before it's time to let it go? About five minutes. <laughs> for you? <laughs> for me. About five minutes. Yeah. No, it's, it gets to the point where I fall in love with something uh-huh. and I enjoy it. I use it. It's it's great. And then I start noticing all the idiosyncrasies of it because usually it's an older car. Sure. And they all have like a problem. Or yep. for like I said, for the AMG, you can't turn the trash control off. Right. And then it's this inception of, okay, what can I turn the track control off on? And I start looking for other things. And as I said, it's just like your side chick. You just, <laughs> you get bored and you move on. For me, it's usually about six months to a year. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll own a car for six months to a year. And then I just, I'm done. And I just, for me, on. it's, yeah, when you get bored of it or end up crashing it or blowing the engine up. Yeah. So how do you guys prioritize uh, Absolute Yeti? How do you guys prioritize house, work, et cetera, around your car hobby? Well, Chris doesn't do housework. I do not. <laughs> so that makes things easy. <laughs> yes. What about I, you? I try to get all the housework done first, which is hard because I'm doing a full bathroom renovation, which means I haven't touched my 911 in so a So you leave time. Uh, motoring stuff is like dessert. So you eat exactly. the regular meal first and yeah, then you can exactly. have the dessert later. Yep. I did um, mount up my new wheels though. So that was cool. One thing that um, went well, we should, we'll talk about that on, on, on Friday's episode, your wheels and stuff. Um, is getting the the rest of the family involved helps, mm, especially mm-hmm. when I, when I was just first dating Jess. She doesn't come out in the garage as much anymore. But when I was dating her, we were in the garage together, working on projects together. Yeah. And now when I'm working out in the garage, the kids it was 65 degrees today. The kids are out playing. I'm working on the car. There's there's ways to kind of work around it. And honestly, my bathroom could look better. I need to finish. The, <laughs> I need to finish the trim on the bathroom. I mean, Jesse bothers me about it all the time. The trim looks like shit, but I don't care because I'm out working on my 911. So it's just, <laughs> you know, you just got to put get your priorities right. Next question. <laughs> uh, Brandon Enthusiast says, what is the sketchiest thing that you've done that you knew was sketchy, but did it anyway? Oh, jeez. Are we talking, I, I assume, like automotive related? Yeah. Let, well, let's keep it to that because then we're just talking about a whole other <laughs> world. Terrible ideas. So the sketchiest thing I ever did and did it anyway that wasn't car related was when I was um, probably 12 or 13 years old. It's kind of car related. And uh, we used to... This is really bad, dude. I know. All the stories I'm coming up with are like, I don't think I should tell these stories. I I will tell the story. My buddy Steve and I would go out at night, and Mm -hmm. we lived in a small town, Mm -hmm. and we had wire cutters. (laughs) And this is probably, okay, so I'm I'm 39, so if I'm 12 or 13, I mean, that's... Should we check the statute of limitations on whatever you're going to (laughs) say? Well, what's 25 (laughs) years ago? So we're talking like 1992. 1990 to 1995, 96, kind of in what that period of time. What are you doing with wire cutters? Are you okay. steering rates? I'm just trying radios? to. Get, I'm just trying to give you a. Well, we could probably talk about that too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we could go to both. We'll talk about both stories. Um, we would. I'm just trying to give you a a, a a foundation of what cars existed at the time. So these okay. are mid 90s and 80s cars. Okay. And a I lot of to these cars not as bad no, now. We, no, a lot of these cars had hood ornaments. And what we would oh, do right. is what we would do is we would take our wire cutters and we would go out around the neighborhood and around town and we would we had a five gallon bucket 
and we would cut people's hood ornaments off and we would throw them in a bucket. Why? I don't know. What did you do with them? We still have it. You it's, still have the bucket? The bucket of hood ornaments is at my buddy's parents' house. Are you kidding? Not kidding. It is a five-gallon bucket full of hood ornaments. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it in many, many years. That is other things that I've done that are uh, – so in terms of sketchy, I'll get this out of the way quick, is any of the top speed runs I've done. Yeah. You're just – I've gone 150 miles an hour in a Volkswagen Rabbit. Right. Indicated by tire size, gear ratio, and tachometer, knowing how fast it was going. It was about 153 in a Rabbit. <laughs> okay, sketchy. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Trust me. It is really sketchy. When you're going over a bump and you're moving like six to eight inches around the road when you hit bumps on the road because your suspension yep. is so stiff, very sketchy. Um, the other things that I've done, I'll just talk about bad things that I've done. This is this is good. Yeah. Uh, so my buddy and I used to steal his dad's. He had a vintage Honda Accord, and we were 14. We used to steal that and drive it around, and we crashed it. Ooh. Yeah, we crashed it into a dumpster. Um, oh, I can't tell. I don't want to tell any more of these stories. I know. They're bad. Yeah. We'll, we'll leave it at that. I did yeah, things, What too. about you? No, nope, we did things. Come on. What did you do? Oh, like the hood ornament story, the one thing we did is we went water ballooning. Okay, what's water ballooning? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, no good. I we'd, a, be, we'd be driving, and, and in the backseat, we'd have a ton of water balloons. Throw water balloons at cars. At oncoming cars. Yep, not good. Which this, some could go through windshields. They did. so dumb. I know, but the worst was when we threw it, and then... We realized it was a convertible after we threw it. Oh no! So it was a water shower for that person. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some other stories that I, I can't ideas. I can't even tell. You feel free to ask me in person. I'll tell you all the dumb shit I've ever done. Yeah, which is which is a which is a many multiple chapter book. All right, we also do have a voicemail. Okay. I'm not sure. I don't recognize the number. We'll have to uh, let's let's play that. Hello, this is Elon. This message is for Jake. Um, oh. I must say, Jake, you have. Underwhelmed me. Um, I heard you had recently uh, been in the market for a new car and test drove a Tesla. And uh, first Bill Gates, and now you, you have purchased a Porsche. <laughs> what have I ever done to make you disrespect me? I thought we were like family. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to do now. Uh, I don't know what's real. Um, thanks, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Elon. Sorry, Elon. That's, uh, we're, we're sorry that we uh, we're sorry that you let you down. That's, I feel bad. Um, Kazuku says '97 Civic Type R or AE86. Uh, AE86 easily. Yeah, that's not a that's rear not wheel a tough drive. Choice. Yep, that's not a tough choice at all. Rear wheel drive is is great. Um, Joel Fetter says, "Why is Chris so cool?" I read um, that one. It says both Chris and Jake. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. We're gonna call it a day. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. If you listen to our other episode, you know we have people out there that uh, we've got a couple haters who like to, you know, <laughs> leave some uh, some uh, splintered reviews. <laughs> yeah. Uh, share it with your friends as well. Yeah, share it with your friends. Don't keep it I for usually yourself. post these on Instagram on our page, so it's easy to, to repost or share it if you enjoy the episode. Yep, hit that subscribe button. We'll see you on Friday. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>